The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 139 of the podcast. Today is Sunday, May the 5th, Cinco de Mayo, a celebration of the Mexican army defeating the French Empire in 1862, I believe. Feel free to correct me on that if you want. Don't confuse it with Mexican Independence Day, which takes place on September 16th. We're all a little bit Mexican today. I've got some Tecate on ice in the fridge don't bring any corona over my house get that shit out of my face we drink tecate around here on cinco de mayo (laughs) the laughter you're hearing is coming all the way from new jersey from my co-host and your favorite now on instagram jeff the animal wilson jeff how you feeling on this fine cinco de mayo morning i was about to say afternoon cinco de mayo morning how you feeling my friend yeah, morning for another eight minutes, Bill. But um, it's a uh, it's a rainy day up in New Jersey, Bill. It's a little chilly today, so uh, good day to cozy up with a blanket and a nice tecate. Yeah, for sure. It's like it's been real hot and muggy here. I think it's gonna rain all day today. It's like one of those days in Florida where you you go outside and it's like walking into a sauna and you're just <laughs> you're just waiting for it to rain. So it's kind of gross. Nice. Ice cold Zacate will really hit the spot after this. Um, I, what's your feeling on this with the Mexican beers, Jeff? I don't, I don't do the Coronas. Um, I, I did in my youth, but once I discovered Tecate, um, th- there's no going back. Yeah, dude. Ne- I was never a fan of Coronas. I like Tecates. I like Modelos too. They're really good. Um, but those are my go-tos when it comes to Mexican beer. Yeah, I do. I do enjoy Modelo, but. Um, it's like a, it's a thick beer, especially if you're doing the Negros, um, you you can't have too many of those. I want to throw back a couple today to, uh, you know, celebrate this victory over the French empire, Jeff. I don't know what they did exactly that. That's like the extent of my knowledge on the history, but, um, I feel like we got to celebrate it. Right. So uh, I got to throw back a couple of Tecates are, are easy drinking and, um, you know, uh, if we're doing modelos, you know, one or two of those, you start to get full. It's like a meal. It's like a Guinness, you know, it's like a Mexican Guinness. All right. So let's hop up to the uh, northern part of the continent. We were talking about Mexico. And now let's talk about Canada because last night UFC fight night 151 took place at the Canadian Tire Center in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. It was headlined by lightweights donald cerrone and ally aquinta um so cowboy it he wasn't looking so good on the scale jeff i really liked him at, at welterweight he was doing well um but uh, you know it, it's the cowboy cerrone syndrome once he gets up to that top two or three of the division or near title contention uh you know that's when something just kind of clicks off for the cowboy but he looked great in the main event here against rage now 
Um, I didn't think he would look as good as he did because he looked pretty emaciated on the scale. Um, you know, I, I know he makes the weight consistently. You never got to worry about Cowboy missing weight or anything like that, but you had to be concerned for the way he looked, but man, he pushed it for five hard rounds with Ray Janelle, who is no walk in the park. Uh, so give me your thoughts on this main event here, Jip. Dude, this main event was really entertaining. I really enjoyed watching these guys go at it. And Bill, I think that the biggest change Donald Troni has been being a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since he's been a dad, he's gone three and zero. And I think the story of last night's fight was Donald Troni's counter striking man. I think it was really winning him the fight, especially in rounds one and two. Mm-hmm. Round three, I kind of gave Tayakinta, and then um, in rounds four and five, Cerrone just turned it up. His output was a lot more than earlier in the fight, and a lot more than Al Ayakinta's. And he had Ayakinta bleeding. I think that Ayakinta might have had a broken nose mm-hmm. at the end of this, and Cerrone dropped him twice, man, which is uh, really making a statement. You know, Ayakinta has never been knocked out before. Um, I, I think he came close last night uh, mm-hmm. with the front kick and a really stiff jab that dropped him. So overall, man, just really exciting fight, really technical between these two guys. Iaquinta in the third round was using his feints a lot to set up his shots, and Cerrone really didn't know what to do. And then in the fourth round, Cerrone came out using his jab a lot more to keep Iaquinta from, from setting up those fakes and stuff. So really technical fight. A lot of things in there going on. So definitely go back and catch this one if you missed it last night. And even if you did watch it, go back and catch it again. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I I definitely plan on watching this one again. I I really want to study the exchanges that went on here. So going into this fight, what we knew about both of these guys is they both get better as as the fight goes on. Cowboy is a notoriously slow starter. You're not, you're never going to get much out of him in that first round, which is why I think uh, I scored the first round for Al. I scored the the following four rounds for Cowboy. But uh, the difference is Al can be a strong starter. He can knock you out in that first round. He's got that kind of one-punch knockout power that we've seen from him in the past. He knocked out Diego Sanchez in the first round, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure there's a couple of other examples there. So I kind of thought that Al's best chance to win would be early in the fight. We know that Al does get tougher as the fight goes on, the difference is Cowboy gets tougher as the fight goes on, and he's got more weapons. Uh, and that proved to be the difference. You know, that he was able to mix it up, and Al wasn't able to, to get off his boxing. He would get into the pocket, but he wasn't throwing combinations like he normally does. He seemed a little flat on his feet. Uh, you know, he didn't have that bounce. He didn't have that rhythm. He didn't have that head movement that he had in the uh, Kevin Lee fight which, uh, you know, really would have served him well in this fight. I don't know what was going on if he had an injury going into this uh, bad knee or something, but he was fighting really flat-footed after that first round, and he would get into the pocket. And that, that's what you have to do with Cowboy. You have to get in close, pressure him, and stifle him so he can't get his kicks and knees off. He wasn't able to get a lot of those counter kicks and counter knees uh, going, but, you know, he's just got so many tools that it, his counter boxing was looking really great. So uh, it it may not have looked like it, but Al actually was shutting down a lot of Cowboy's weapons. Uh, He just wasn't able to come back at him with with much offense. Um, You you know, maybe it's because he got stung early on. Maybe he had an injury, but 
uh, here's something that we knew all along. Ally Quinta is tough as fucking nails. Uh, he never stopped moving forward with, with all the damage he took and getting dropped and everything like that. Uh, you know, the man doesn't stop. He's, he's like the Terminator. So I, I think Cowboy knew that. He knew he was in for a war. Uh, Cowboy either wants a title shot or he wants Conor McGregor. I don't know how likely either of those things are. Uh, I know Cowboy and Khabib have a history. You know, they had gone back and forth when Khabib was kind of on his rise, but was always pulling out of fights and getting injured and everything like that. I know they went back and forth on Twitter. I think they even had like a little scuffle shoving match at, at, at some event at some point. I know they don't like each other. So if Dustin Poirier gets hurt and you need a guy to fill in last minute, well, I know a guy. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, so that's a possibility outside of that. I don't know, man. I think, uh, Cowboys probably got to take another fight, uh, before he sees that title shot. Um, you know, he took out the young up and comer and Alex Hernandez that, that, that was a big statement and obviously taking out Ali, Ali, Quinta is a big deal, but, um, man, there's just too much going on in this division right now. I mean, if we get if we get Cowboy and Justin Gaethje, I think uh, that'd be fucking fun. Uh, what do you think, Jeff? What's next for these guys? Yeah, I think that would be really fun, Bill. But I think that Cerrone could pick uh, Justin Gaethje apart, man. Uh, like you said, he's he the way he mixes up his striking is just great. And I think that um, for me, I thought I like him to win the third round. And for me, what it was was the feints mixing it up with the strikes and also he was really pressuring Cerrone in that uh in that third round he was making Cerrone fight off his heels which um you know it can it can be difficult for just about anybody but Bill what do you see next for Ally Aquinta here um because he lost his last fight to the current champ at lightweight and now he lost the second fight to Cerrone so where do you see him in this picture here well forget he um he beat Kevin Lee after he lost to. Oh, that's right. Khabib. That's right. That's so, right. Um, you know, he still only lost two of his last seven or eight. So he's still looking pretty good. Um, you know, there, there's so many possibilities uh, because you got such a stacked division. He could take another uh, top contender here in a couple of months and then be right back in the mix, you know? Um, so we'll see. Uh, maybe something like uh, Edson Barbosa would make sense for Ally Quinta. I think that would be a fun fight too. Um, and you know, a, a win over Barbosa always catapults you back up. I don't know, you know, how, how his healing process is going since that knockout he took from Gaethje. But um, yeah, there, there's a couple of interesting matchups for Al here, and um, you know, he never backs down from a challenge and and he'll speak up if he wants a fight. So uh, I'm not worried about Al after this loss, you know, a loss to Cowboy Cerrone uh, and, and the way he lost, you know, still coming forward with, with a bloody face and everything like that. Definitely didn't lose any stock with the fans. Um, the fans who were tuning in for this anyway, because I feel like it was a pretty flat card overall. There was not a lot of buzz on social media, especially for a Cowboy fight. Um, I thought there would be a little bit more, I think, you know, maybe people are frustrated with the ESPN Plus platform. Uh, the benefit was that everything from the early prelims to the main event was in one spot. You log into ESPN Plus and everything was there straight through. It's not, you're not bouncing from Fight Pass to ESPN to ESPN Plus. Uh, everything was streamlined. So um, you're able to 
throw the early prelims and then, you know, well, you go out to get a beer or something. When you come back, there's not fucking NASCAR or baseball on or some shit like we're used to. Um, so that was, that was the good thing. The bad thing was, um, it was still a little lagging. The audio was off a little bit. So you would hear, um, like Bisping and Brendan Fitzgerald yelling. And then a few seconds later, you would see what they were yelling about. Um, so that was kind of shitty. I wound up turning the, uh, the volume down on the broadcast, uh, which is kind of weird, like watching it quietly by myself, <laughs> you know, if there's people over and stuff, I, I tend to not have the volume up very high anyway, because people are talking and we kind of give our own commentary. But anyway, Jeff, I'm not worried about Ally Quinta. I'm not worried about Cowboy. Uh, I'm tuning in the next time they fight, uh, no matter who it is. So, you know, two, two of my favorite fighters to watch. I was actually kind of bummed out they had to fight each other, but they did and it's over and Cowboy won. So on we move and we move on to the co-main event. Uh, and speaking of fighting on your heels, Elias Theodoro uh, on his roller skates uh, <laughs> <laughs> for this one against Derek Brunson. And um, I did have the volume on the broadcast for this one. I heard Michael Bisping saying that uh, several times Elias Theodoro was winning this fight. Uh, all the respect in the world for the former champ, Michael Bisping, but I don't know what fight he was watching to think that Elias Theodora was even close to winning this fight. Uh, you know, he was on his bicycle the entire fight and Brunson was pressuring him. And even when he looked tired, he was getting in his face. He punctuated this win with that big slam in the third round, which was just beautiful. He used his wrestling. He was patient. He wasn't, uh, you know, rushing in like a rooster, uh, attacking a squirrel, uh, which, running face first across the cage. Uh, he looked calm. He looked composed. He looked patient. Uh, and you know, he really utilized that division two all American wrestling background that he has. And he utilized it really well in, in an, uh, against an unorthodox guy like Elias Theodoro, who, you know, it looked like he was landing some, some of those flashy kicks, but he really wasn't. Brunson had a high guard, uh, which is unusual for him. And, uh, you know, he did a great job of stifling. He got in Elias's face when he was trying to get those kicks off and he put him down when he had to put him down and did what he had to do to get that unanimous decision uh, against the uh, the hometown favorite in Elias Teodoro. Give me your thoughts on this co-main event here, Jeff. Yeah, dude, Derek Brunson just went out there and put in that work, man. He was really in Elias Theodoro's face, using his grappling really well. And dude, by the end of that first round, Theodoro was gassed, man. In that mm -hmm. second round, he looked so tired. I mean, Brunson looked tired too, but Theodoro looked like he was just not in the fight anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, like you said, dude, that slam in the third round was just the cherry on top, man. It was awesome to see. And, you know, I think he'd had that fight won at that point anyway. So really good work from Derek Brunson. Elias Theodoro, always a game opponent. So, Will, what do you see next for Derek Brunson in the middleweight division here? Because he's already ranked, but I don't know if he has um, – if it's time for him to maybe step up his competition a little bit, maybe take on somebody in the top five. What do you think, Bill? Yeah, so we got um, – Next week, we have Anderson Silva and Jared Cannonier going at it. So I think if Jared Cannonier comes away with a, a victory there, I think that would be an interesting matchup for Brunson. Uh, and I think that would help uh, boost him up in the rankings a little bit. Uh, maybe a Kelvin Gastelum would be a fun fight. Uh, they could put, you know, their wrestling chops up against each other. Or, you know, 
it would end up just being a, a boxing match. So I, I think there's some fun possibilities for Brunson. I, I wish he kind of would have called somebody out there. Uh, you know, if he called out Gastelum uh, after Gastelum comes off of the, that awesome title fight with Adesanya, uh, you know, if he calls him out, gets that fight and beats Gastelum, you know, that would boost him up a lot quicker than anything else, I would think. That would be the, the path of least resistance to the title for Derek Brunson, who's not getting any younger. I think he's uh, 35 or so. And, uh, you know, Elias Theodoru still, um, a fan favorite amongst hardcore fans. So, uh, I'm sure he'll still get, uh, a big fight. He's not going to get bumped down to the prelims after this one or anything, a uh, little bit of time off and, you know, he'll be back in there, you know, maybe a, a fight with Anderson and Silva, if he's still sticking around, um, might be a good move for him. Um, so let's move on down this card, Jeff. Unfortunate night for uh, Cub Swanson, who lost, I believe, his fourth fight in a row. And he was in there with Shane Burgos, who you and I were talking about. Shane Burgos looked a good two weight classes bigger than Cub, who is you know definitely a natural featherweight. I don't think there's ever been any talk about, oh, well, maybe he should bump up to... Uh, a lightweight and you know I, I think it's the perfect weight class for him but shane burgos looked like a welterweight in there man and this was a split decision for shane burgos i'm not really sure why um because he was in cub's face uh the entire fight you know cub was able to get off some counter strikes here and there but he really got busted up by the 28 year old burgos who i don't know how long this guy could possibly stay at featherweight because you know 511 and he's He's thick, man. He's he's got a he's got a wide back. He's got a big build. Um, so if he's gonna make a title run, he's got to do it quick before he's got to move up to that death row at 155. Give me your thoughts on this fight, Jeff. Yeah, dude, you're absolutely right. Shane Burgos looked massive in there. He looked like at least a welterweight against Cub mm -hmm. Swanson, but. Um, like you said, a good fight for him. He was in Swanson's face for three rounds. Uh, I really didn't see why this was a split decision. I didn't see Shane Burgos really struggling too much. Um, but Cub Swanson, I mean, he's up there in years, man. He's been doing this for a long, long time. And he's got the tattoos to prove it, man. If you watch some of his early fights, he, you know, there, there's a lot more skin than ink on him. So, um, I don't know what you do next with Cub Swanson here, Bill. Um, you know, Shane Burgos, good for him. Uh, he beat a really tough contender. But I don't know if that'll boost him up in the rankings too much, man. I think that Shane Burgos still needs to prove himself a little bit in this division. And as for Cub Swanson, I don't think he loses any stock. You know, he's really – he's an awesome fighter. But like you said, he's on a bit of a skid here, Bill. So what do you think is next for these guys? Oh man, it's tough to say. I don't know what you do with Cub Swanson. I mean, if if it was anybody else losing four in a row, um, you know, you would think they'd be on the chopping block or at, at least like bumped down to the early prelims. But uh, you know, Cub Swanson is is one of the bigger stars in that division. So I, I don't know, I don't know what you do with him if, if you can give him a tune up fight or you know, maybe give him another young guy that's on the way up and, and see if he can still hang at this level anymore. Um, you know, he, he's been at this a long time. He's been through some wars. Uh, you know, it's kind of sad to see, uh, when these guys get a little bit older, especially at the, at the lower weight class, I feel like the, the lower the weight class, the more age is a factor. 
Mm. You know, at heavyweight, you could still have a 45 year old guy coming in and knocking people out cold. Um, but just not the case with the lower weight class as for Shane Burgos. I don't know if you saw the post fight interview with, uh, Paul Felder and Felder said, you know, what do you want next? And he's like, well, I'm a big Max Holloway fan. How about the champ? And Paul Felder was like, no, really? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was everybody's reaction, Bill. <laughs> he was like, no, really? Look at, look at this list here. Um, I mean, you can't blame him for aiming high, but um, I think there's some interesting matchups for Shane Burgos uh, at featherweight. Off the top of my head, I don't know, maybe the, the loser of uh volkanovsky and aldo uh is possible uh i know hanato moicano has a fight coming up i'm not sure with whom uh but that that's another one um i don't think he's ready for that top five or even top 10 he's gotta go you know somewhere in that 13 14 range i'd have to have the rankings in front of me and i don't so let's move on um so at least uh, one of the fighters from uh, Saralongo had a good night last night, and that is Marab uh ending the undefeated streak of Brad Katona, who's a really tough guy, came off the ultimate fighter. He's looked good in the UFC so far. He's really well-rounded, really strong competitor, and um, Marab just put it on him. Absolute domination for three rounds uh, from the Georgian in Marab. Uh, what were your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Yeah, dude, Davalishvili just went in there and put the work on Brad Katona, man, in his face, using his grappling really well. And Brad Katona, as well-rounded as he was, I just felt like um, Davalishvili was just a little bit better in every aspect of this fight, whether it was the stand-up or the ground game. So a uh, really good fight from Davalishvili. Um, and Brad Katona, you know, he's young. I don't think he loses any stock. Um, this is his first loss. I'm sure he'll bounce back. He's a tough dude. I really – he was one of the standouts for me on his season of the ultimate fighter so i i think he'll be fine yeah for sure and he's a real cerebral fighter too mm -hmm. so i'm sure he's gonna go back and analyze this and yeah and look at what went wrong here and and fix those holes in his game as for marab uh i would love to see him uh make a run in this division but he's got some holes to work out too he was throwing a lot of spinning attacks a lot of spinning wheel kicks and spinning back fists but he wasn't finding his range first so he's just kind of throwing them at the air Granted, it was stifling Katona. He didn't want to close the distance on Marab, but I think if he wants to land some of those, he's got to find his distance first. You know, use that jab, you know, grab some collar ties and, and feel out, um, you know, how close he has to get to land some of those attacks. And the other thing is he had an easy time getting Katona to the ground, but then he was sitting in a wide open guard. Uh, where a lot of the time he wasn't making any effort to pass with uh, Katona's legs not even locked up. Mm. Uh, so all he has to do is, you know, stuff one of those knees, hop over into half guard. And I understand some guys like to stay in the guard, you know, like Tito Ortiz style and, and um, you know, work some punishment from there. But he was having a hard time landing shots from there. He even got stood up at one point. Uh, so you don't want that to happen. So I would like to see him, you know, work on his guard passing and, and finding the range a little bit for some of those spinning attacks. And then, man, I don't know how you deal with this guy. He's got it, what seems like an unlimited gas tank. And I, yeah. I really can't wait to see him in a five round fight. Uh, because at the end of three rounds, uh, with all these takedowns and all the grappling and all the strikes that he threw, uh, he still looks fresh as fuck. Uh, so, uh, definitely big things in the future for Marab. I'm looking forward to seeing him grow 
and develop in this bantamweight division. But uh, I hope they, I hope that his team uh, makes some smart decisions with matchmaking for him going forward. I don't want to see him uh, dabbling in that top 15 just yet, you know, maybe pump the brakes with him a little bit and let's, let's build his highlight reel a little, a little before we get him up there because we got some killers at the top of this bantamweight division. Um, speaking of killers, Walt Harris almost killed a guy last night uh, and Sergei Spivak um, and TKO in the first round against a guy who I believe was undefeated. This was his UFC debut, but yeah, so he was nine and zero coming into this fight. I don't know who he was fighting uh, before he was in the WWF C. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought you were going to tell me he was a pro wrestler before this man. Uh, you would think the way he looked uh, against Walt Harris in there. Um, no, I, I have, I'm not familiar with the WWFC. Uh, <laughs> I can't help but say it that way. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, too much too soon um, for the uh, Moldavian fighter, Spivak, who's still young, 24 years old, uh, which is way at the bottom of the spectrum in this UFC heavyweight division where the average age is like 37. Uh, but Walt Harris came in there with a man who had a chip on his shoulder, and I guess rightfully so because his knockout of Andre Arlovsky was overturned um, because of uh, USADA, some complication there with tainted supplements or, and he was able to prove that it was a tainted supplement, but, um, his win over Arlovsky is still overturned. So, you know, Walt Harris pissed, uh, and he called out Justin Willis, which I think is a fun fight. He's like, I don't really care for that guy, so I want to fight him. <laughs> yeah, actually, Bill, I think Walt Harris versus Justin, um, I forgot his last name, even though you just said it. Yeah, Justin Willis. Dude, that's a really fun fight at heavyweight, man. They're both mm -hmm. durable guys. Um, I feel like um, Willis could probably, you know, survive that um, Walt Harris flurry in the beginning. And then from there, it would just be kind of like a um, more of a marathon than a sprint. So I think that fight is actually really fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, or it could be you know, they just get in there and slug it out and somebody drops. That sounds and, more fun. I like that option more. Yeah. So there's that. Um, I know you didn't catch a lot of the prelims, Jeff. So I'm kind of, I'm going to give like a brief rundown here and then I'll defer to you and you just give me, you know, whatever you want to comment on. So Andrew Sanchez got in there last night and, um, you know, he's often criticized for his gas tank. He didn't really seem to fix whatever issue he's having with his cardio, but it was enough to get the decision over the hometown boy, Mark Andre Barrio. Um, and he used his wrestling and he got booed uh, viciously at the end of this fight. But I loved his response. He's like, people don't really like wrestling. I get it. But if you can't get away from me, that's not my problem. <laughs> so I like that. I, I like that too. I, I put the quote on Twitter, uh, you know, in case anybody else was watching with the volume off. Um, but yeah, I really like that response. And, but the problem with Andrew Sanchez is he's a great wrestler. I think he has, um, he's fixed a lot of holes in his game since moving to TriStar. Um, but he still fights like a wrestler. So wrestling is a sprint, you know, it's, it's short rounds and you got to go full speed. 
all the time. And I think that's what he does when he wrestles inside the cage. And that's why he empties his gas tank so quickly. It, it also looks like he carries a, a lot of extra muscle, you know, maybe a little bit too much weightlifting. I mean, at the end of the day, what do I know? Uh, I'm just a guy uh, sipping whiskey, watching this on his couch, but just uh, what I've observed, he did seem to gas out towards the end of this fight and a, a few spots in the middle, but uh, still an impressive victory over a young kid. So he had an, he had the pace there. Uh, Macy Kiesen, uh getting the TKO victory over uh, Sarah Maras. Um, this was a, a pretty back and forth fight. Kiesen, uh spent some time on her back. We saw some interesting grappling exchanges here, some very technical grappling exchanges from both ladies. Uh, Maras had a arm bar locked up at the end of the first round. Uh, it looked like she was getting ready to snap Kiasen's arm off. And then uh, the round ended, and uh, Kiasen got on top uh, with some some nasty punches and put Maras away. Uh, I'm going to jump around a little bit here. Nordine Taleb uh, getting it done over Kyle Prepolek, who stepped up on like two days' notice. I, I forget who Nordine Taleb was meant to fight, but you know he used his real technical striking uh, to get the unanimous decision victory here. Nordine Taleb, one of the most accurate strikers uh, in the UFC, and there's some numbers to to back that up, but. I don't have them in front of me, and I don't really care to uh, to look them up. We don't do research here, Jeff. I'm not about that life. <laughs> I just I just make statements, and I hope people accept them as truth. <laughs> um, Matt Sales and Kyle Nelson. This was a really fun fight. So Matt Sales, more of a striker, but getting the arm triangle choke over the grappler Kyle Nelson. And uh, both of these guys had had spots in this fight, uh, so that was a fun one. And I don't really care to talk about anything else. Uh, there were some other interesting matchups, but I was kind of admittedly, I was only kind of half watching them in the beginning because, um, you know, I was chasing the baby around trying to get her to sleep before the main card. Um, any, any commentary on anything I said, Jeff, or, uh, any other thoughts on fight night 151 before we move on here? Yeah, Bill, the fights that I really want to go back and watch, definitely Matt Sales versus Kyle Nelson. I love submission finishes. And this Macy Kiasen versus Sarah Morris fight sounds really intriguing, Bill. I think I'm going to go back and check that out after we're done here. Yeah, for sure. That was that was a good one. There were some really good grappling exchanges in that fight. Um, so if you like some competitive women's MMA, um, then that's a fight for you. And if you like competitive women's MMA, I'll tell you what else is for you. UFC 237 next weekend from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Headlined by Rose Namajunas, Doug Rose, the strawweight champ against what is probably her toughest test, I would say, in Jessica Andrade, who is just a fucking tank at 115 pounds. I mean, used to fight at 135, moved down, just destroying people. Um, one of the scariest women in this division, I believe one of the scariest women fighting period. Uh, and in my opinion, um, really great main event. I don't know if it's going to move the needle. Uh, but you know, we'll find out, especially, you know, with the complications of ESPN plus you have to order the pay-per-view through there. Um, I'd like to be optimistic about it, but, I don't see this thing doing more than maybe 50,000 buys. And I think that might be generous. Um, 
but uh, the UFC doesn't care because the new deal with ESPN is they'll pay the UFC out for 150,000 buys for every pay-per-view, no matter how many they sell. Um, so, you know, the UFC knows that they're covering their overhead here and, and you know, they're making money regardless, but you know, I would think you would want to set the bar a little bit higher, um, since that's what they've been doing for the last 25 years. And that's why the company is, is worth what it's worth now. But, uh, give me your thoughts on this main event, Jeff. Um, you know, pay-per-view buys aside. Yeah, Bill. So pay-per-view buys aside, I think that this main event is more for the hardcore fans. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think the casual fans know too much about Jessica Andrade. Um, she hasn't really been marketed in the buildup to this fight. Actually, neither of these fighters have really been marketed. Um, you know, as a hardcore fan, I'm super excited, Bill. Jessica Andrade has been tearing up this strawweight division. I I think that the time is per perfect for her to be getting her title shot. Um, I think that Rose Namajunas might have some problems here. I think Jessica Andrade is going to be in her face. Um, and, you know, maybe Rose Namajunas can deal with it because of uh, how she did against Ioana and Jacek. She was able to really um, outlast that storm and just take it into the championship rounds. Um, so I think stylistically, it's really, really interesting because Rose Namajunas is well-rounded. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jessica Andrade, a really, really good striker. And, you know, she's a really good grappler as well. But her grappling isn't so much about technique. It's more about picking people up and then slamming them into the mat. So uh -huh. I think stylistically, this matchup is really, really cool, man. You have the more technical, more well-rounded fighter versus the in-your-face, more smash-mouth style of Jessica Andrade. But I think this main event's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Hey, you got to wonder about Rose Namajunas' mindset going into this. It's mm -hmm. been over a year since she's gotten in the cage. Um, you know, her unanimous decision over Ioana Janjacek, you know, beat the champ. Uh, twice in a row. Um, but you know, a year's a long time to not be doing something. Um, you know, we, we've seen the headlines with her saying she doesn't leave her house because of the Dolly incident with Conor McGregor. You don't know how much of that is true. How much of it is clickbait, how much of it is, you know, possible, um, you know, fodder for a civil lawsuit. Um, but you got to hope her, her mind's in the right place. I mean, it, if it were true, it would be an odd move. If she doesn't want to leave her house, then all of a sudden you're going to go fight, you know, a Brazilian pit bull in Brazil. Uh, so I would imagine her headspace is just fine. And, yeah. you know, there's something else going on with those headlines, whether it's clickbait or whether it's, um, you know, her, her lawyers telling her to say something to set up a lawsuit over the Dolly thing. But we don't worry about that stuff. We just worry about, you know, the punches and the kicks and the booze. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, Bill, hold on one second. I'm sorry to cut you off, Bill. But one thing that I'm worried about is this injury that Rose Namajunas is coming off of. Bill, how much of a factor do you think that's going to be uh, going into this fight? I mean, I, I don't know. Because, um, you know, she's taken the fight. And, you know, she took her time. She took... She took the year off, so I imagine she's not going to come back until she's ready. Um, so I, I got to think that she's cl as close to 100% as she's going to be uh, going into this. But you got to be worried for anybody who's getting in there with Jessica Andrade, uh, you know, healthy or not. So 
uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, the co-main event doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Anderson Silva and Jared Cannonier. Uh, you know, we brought this one up a little bit earlier. I don't know why Anderson Silva feels the need to get in there with a young lion like Jared Cannonier. You know, he possibly already had his swan song uh, with the fight with Israel Adesanya. I think he could have walked off into the sunset after that one. Nobody would have batted an eye. Um, you know, it was a it was an artistic performance from both athletes. I think, you know, he could have walked away unscathed. Uh, this dangerous fight for Anderson Silva. I mean, he's he at least he's going to have the uh, the home field advantage uh, fighting in Brazil. Uh, maybe he'll retire after this one, or maybe he'll go another five years. You never know with this guy. Uh, you can't figure out where his mind's at. Um, you know, a lot of people thought he would have been done after breaking his leg in half against Chris Weidman, but uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, here we are, like five years later, whatever it is, and he's still getting in there with these killers. Um, you know, Jared Cannonier, credit to him too. You know, he's he's coming into enemy territory here to uh, take on Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva in Brazil is never an easy task. Um, give me your thoughts on this call, man, Jeff. Yeah, dude, uh, I think you're right. Anderson Silva in Brazil, very, very tough fight to be taking. But I think Jared Cannonier is not a dumb guy, Bill. I think that he's probably seen something in Anderson Silva, maybe some holes in his game that uh, Cannonier can exploit. We've seen um, Anderson Silva struggle against really good wrestlers at times. You mm -hmm. know, DC was able to hold him down. Um Chael Sonnen was able to hold him down, um, you know, granted with the help of some steroids. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, th I think there's a dangerous fight for Silva, man. Jared Cannonier is hungry. He wants to make a name for himself in the rankings in this middleweight division. And, you know, Anderson Silva might be the person to make your name off of. He's coming off a loss. Um, and I think you're right, Bill. I think he might hang it up after this. Or maybe he just wanted to fight one last time in Brazil, uh, you know, in front of his home country. So I don't know. But I think, um, I don't know, man. I think there's a really dangerous fight for Silva to be taking. Yeah, for sure. Um, especially Jerry Cannonier looking good since moving down to middleweight. He's coming off that uh, TKO victory over David Branch. Um, let's take a look at the rest of this card, Jeff. I'm really excited for... Clay Guida versus BJ Penn is what I would be saying if this fight were booked six years ago. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't. And I don't want to see BJ Penn fight anymore, especially since, you know, all these allegations have come out with, you know, his, his baby mama saying that he, uh, he beat her up and stuff. And, and, you know, seeing that he's, you know, joined the piece of shit club. Um, I, I'm not a fan of this. I mean, I, I don't want to, um, I don't want to see him fight if he's if he's really doing stuff like this. Um, and I don't want to see him fight, period. The guy hasn't won a fight in, in like 10 years. Just stop. Just stop. Um, <laughs> uh, and he almost got his leg broken off in his last fight against Ryan Hall. Um, uh, let's just... That's enough. That's enough, BJ. I mean, you could have just, you know, gone down as one of the greatest ever. And it's just... He's just doing more and more damage to his legacy. I feel like I mean, he doesn't—he doesn't have what it takes to be in there with these guys anymore. And um, you know, Clay Guida is no walk in the park. I mean, he could—he could still get in your face for 15 minutes, but 
I don't want to spend too much time talking about that fight. There's some really fun fights on here. Carlos Diego Ferreira and Francisco Trinaldo. That's two fucking tanks getting in there. Uh, and we're going to see like, you know, who gasses out first or who lands the <laughs> biggest bomb first, basically. Uh, so either way, that's fun. Uh, Tiago Alves getting in there uh, with the young guy, Loriano Starpoli. Uh, that, that could be a fun fight. And then, oh, I've skipped over this. Jose Aldo and Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, so Volkanovsky is a fucking killer, man. Uh, we're really going to see if Jose Aldo still has it. Um, it, you know, he's, he's proven people wrong a couple of times with the, with the Moicano fight with the Jeremy Stevens fight. Uh, you know, he kind of made it seem like maybe Max Holloway's his kryptonite. Uh, and you know, he can still compete. We're really going to find out now because Volkanovsky is a fucking killer. Uh, give me your thoughts on this one, Jeff. Bill, this for this is the fight I'm most excited for on this entire card, man. Mm -hmm. You know how much I love Jose Aldo. Um, you know, as of late, he's been looking like WEC Jose Aldo. But, dude, you're right. Alexander Volkanovsky has been tearing up this featherweight division. He's shown that he is at the highest level everywhere that the fight can go, man. He's got slick takedowns, very clever takedowns that you don't see coming with his leg trips and, and like judo trips. Um, he's a really good striker. He can grapple really well. I mean, this guy is, you know, I don't mean to, to overhype this guy, but Volkanovsky, I think this is going to be the first legit test for him. And I think he can do really well, man. Either way, I think that neither guy loses stock. If you know whoever loses, mm -hmm. um, but man, oh, man, I, I can't say enough about this fight. I'm so excited. Jose Aldo, we know what he can do. Volkanovski, hungry to show what he, we know he can do. At least we, the hardcore fans. So, Bill, I'm excited for this fight. I think this fight has some very big implications for the featherweight division here. Yeah, I mean, if Volkanovski gets a win over Aldo, I would imagine it's going to mean a title shot for him. If Aldo wins. I don't know what you do. You can't put him in there a third time uh, with with Max Holloway. So uh, it's kind of a tough spot unless Max Holloway uh, stays at lightweight, which is kind of what I hope happens. And then, you know, we do some kind of tournament. Um, but, yeah, awesome fight. Um, if Volkanovski loses, I would love to see Volkanovski and Jeremy Stevens. That would be a fun fucking fight. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Volkanovski coming off of retiring Chad Mendez. Um, yeah. Uh, with that nasty knockout he had over him in December. Um, yeah. So it, it's kind of, it's kind of a weird spot for whoever, you know, if Aldo wins this fight though, because what are you going to do? You can't, you just can't make that fight with Max Holloway again. Even if Aldo wins five more, uh, you know, Max Holloway's got to lose that belt before Aldo gets another crack at it. Um, I think the only way we see Aldo Holloway three is if somehow Holloway loses the title, Aldo wins it, and then Max works back up to a title shot. That's the only scenario I can see where where we see that a third time. Uh, we got Lil Nog on this card for some reason. Uh, <laughs> he's like 83. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, he's up there, dude. <laughs> fighting Ryan's man. He's probably I was saying this when we started uh the show, Jeff. He's probably like 31. He just, <laughs> he just looks like looks, yeah, I'm gonna look it up. All right, he's 42. Um he's actually older than I thought he'd be. I thought he was gonna be like 32 when I looked it up. And he just <laughs> he just looks a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> he looks, yeah, he looks like um like he would be like if MMA were a movie, he would be like the old sensei. <laughs> <laughs> Who's teaching the up and cover guy? Yeah, uh, so he's the <laughs> Mr. Miyagi in this scenario. Yeah, like the Brazilian Mr. Miyagi. Um, oh, man. I mean, he is coming off a win back in September over Sam Alvey, but uh, Sam Alvey's fought 15 times since then, probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then his last loss was to Ryan Bader. I mean, no shame in that. Uh, the guy's a double champ in Bellator right now. So, you know, there's that. A couple of facts um, for next week. Um Let's see. Anything else uh, you want to talk about with this card here, Jeff? Uh, nothing else is really jumping out at me. I mean, you've got um, Irene Aldana versus Betch Correa. You know, that could be entertaining. Betch Correa is a very, um, you know, she's in your face. She uh, throws very unorthodox strikes. Yeah. Um, you know, she just puts a lot of power behind her punches. So that could be a fun fight. Um, but that's about it. Nothing else is really jumping out at me. Um, Warley Alves versus Sergio Morais could be really fun at welterweight. Oh yeah, that that's one fight I was actually really looking forward to. I'm glad you mentioned that one because um, that that fight um, is going to be awesome. I don't know why that's on the prelims or it, it at least they. I'm looking at Sherdog here. Sometimes they have shit backwards. Um, mm. And or just not in the right order, but yeah, that that fight should be up a little bit higher. Um, what one? A anything else on uh, two thirty seven, Jeff? Or you want to move it along here? Oh uh, yeah, we can move it along if you want, Bill. So last night, and this fight um, was not really talked about, but um, it wasn't an MMA fight; it was a boxing match, Bill, between uh, Canelo Alvarez and. What's his name? Uh, Daniel exactly. Jacobs. <laughs> and Daniel Jacobs. Um, so, Bill, I I was able to catch this because of how early Cowboy and Ali Quinta was over. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, uh, it wasn't it was an entertaining boxing match. Um, you know, Canelo Alvarez went in there, dominated the first couple rounds, and then you saw Daniel Jacobs um, come back a little bit towards the end, and Canelo edged him out. And I think. I forget if it was a split or a unanimous decision, but, um, you know, uh, Canelo Alvarez becoming really, really popular, especially since his uh, fight with Floyd Mayweather. Um, so he's really the only boxer I watch. Um, you know, he's entertaining. He's a cool dude. Um, he drives like a Lambo or something now that he has money. Um, mm. And then there was some guy with like blue and green hair who boxed before him. Uh, I didn't give a shit about him, but um, he just looked like um, what are those um, cones with the ice in them called? The snow, snow cones. Yeah, those things. That's what his head looked like to me. Oh. So um, this was on the zone for anybody watching. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's all. That, that's all I got for you, Bill, in terms of boxing. I yeah, don't really care for it. Yeah, there's no boxing fights that are really piquing my interest at all lately. Uh, maybe one will come up. Um, uh, back to MMA. Last night there was a Bellator card. I didn't watch it, but I've been seeing the clip of Raymond Daniels' uh, knockout of whoever he was fighting, 
in the first round. Uh, I don't know if you caught this, Jeff, but the, the clip's been everywhere on the internet. He did like a fucking triple Lutz and looked like he was going <laughs> to like a figure skating move. And it looked like he was going to kick the guy. And then he just, so he spins like three times in his face and it looks like he's going to throw a kick, but then he throws a right hook and just <laughs> killed this dude. Like, Oh really? Him. Yeah. Um, Hey, I, I'll share the, uh, I'll share the clip on social media so you guys can see if you haven't seen it already. Hold on, let me uh, check this out. I got it on YouTube. I'll mute it so it's not like. All right, you you watch it and then we'll get your live reaction to it. But yeah, um, I, I was Googling and I, for some reason, put in Raymond James. And oh like, my God. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> he did like a triple pirouette or whatever that's called. Yeah. And it just <laughs> murked him. Yeah, like a Hulk punch. Jeez. Yeah. So Raymond Daniels, a uh, uh, kickboxer, uh, he's got a Taekwondo background um, and he had been uh, competing in Bellator kickboxing. I don't know how many MMA fights he has, um, but yeah, he's known for this kind of like flashy, aggressive style. And um, man, if, if you missed that knockout, that's that's a highlight for the ages right there so check that out that was on bellator it was actually his first win in mma his first so he's one in one so his first mma fight and he was he was on the main card of bellator so i don't like bellator what are you doing but i mean i guess somebody somebody knew this was gonna be something cool that's why they put him on there but uh yeah his first mma fight he got submitted that was in june of 2008 39 Jeez. years old six foot three um really light on his feet for six foot three but um you know raymond daniels you could look up highlight reels of him kickboxing he's a phenomenal kickboxer i don't know that he has a future in mma but he's definitely got a highlight reel for the ages but if you look at it it's really just a right hook that knocks the guy out but it, yeah. he does like <laughs> you know he does this pirouette beforehand uh, <laughs> like a <laughs> it's like a triple tornado spin and then he punches him <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it looked cool so yeah. I'll give it, to him. it was super cool um hopefully what else is super cool is a Takate i put on ice uh before we started recording here i'm gonna dive into that in a little bit um jeff you sipping on anything interesting lately now nah, i've been bill you got me on this intermittent fasting thing which i'm actually really enjoying and i'm trying to take it a little bit easier on the beer and the alcohol um you know i i feel like if i can cut down on that stuff i can lose weight a little bit faster sure. uh, especially i'm getting up there in years so i know it's going to be harder as i get older so i got nothing for you this week bill maybe oh, yeah Jeff, you're maybe like week. you're like well into your upper 20s you're really getting up there. <laughs> Bill, I'm, I'm almost, Bill, I'm going to be 28 this year. I'm going to be in my late 20s. That's scary for me, Bill. I don't want to be older than like 32. It's like my cutoff. After no. that, I'm not going to want to get off the couch. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like one of these reality star chicks. That's <laughs> like, it's like uh, Instagram famous, which you can be now, Jeff, now that you have an Instagram. So big announcement animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and now on Instagram. So give, go give the animal a follow <laughs> on the Instagram there. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll start doing some, 
some stories and sharing some fun stuff. I think I'm going to do a little video later, Jeff. I got a green screen I'm going to mess around with. Um, I might get back to uh, doing some cocktail videos and stuff mm. like that. It's been a while. Um, so now I've, I've dedicated a little bit more time to the podcast. I want to start getting some more content out there. We have some new friends uh, joining us uh, on YouTube, especially because of the Mike Perry video I posted last week. Um, apparently it was one of the only videos around of, of Mike Perry dancing in Fort Lauderdale. Um, the video I showed from the crowd. So that video got a bunch of views and, and, uh, we got some YouTube subscribers from that. So, uh, you know, welcome. Hope you guys, uh, join us on this drunken journey here. Uh, stick around, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a review that definitely does help the show out. Uh, you know, it helps, um, you know, raise awareness to people who may not have found us yet. And, um, you know, we got some fun things on the horizon. I'm going to get back to some interviews. Uh, I'm starting to line some stuff up there in that realm. I know you guys always tell me you like the interviews. It's just so hard to, to coordinate with people and, and get that going. But, um, I hear some thunder and lightning now, so maybe we better wrap this up before we lose power. I might be drinking this Tecate in the dark. Uh, but luckily it's on ice. Uh, anything else you want to get off your chest, Jeff? Nah, Bill, that's all I got for you this week. You know, check out my Instagram. Uh, so far I have like six pictures of me at a wedding. Um, nice. so, so, uh, you know, I, I plan to put up some more content and stuff. Um, but I'll be honest with you, Bill. I don't totally understand Instagram. I just, I'm on there for the memes. <laughs> um, there's some funny, some funny stuff on there. So I'll probably like try and, uh, share some of the funny shit I find. Yeah absolutely so get on there follow the animal give him a hand help him out with the instagram so uh you know he can share a little bit more of his life behind the scenes and uh reach out to us on social media at mma on the rocks or go to our website send me an email mma on the rocks gmail.com i've been trying to keep up with the weekly articles um uh posting stuff here and there my latest article was a recap of uh, Fort Lauderdale, my experience there, the beer pairing I did at, at the live event and everything like that. Um, you know, keep sending us the stuff you're drinking, guys. Uh, I always love hearing what, what people are drinking during the events. And um, that's it, man. Let's call it here. So until next time, happy Cinco de Mayo. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>